Uh, my name is Tim Davis. I am a teacher and coach at West Anchorage High School, um, and that is what I do for work. <laughs> so to start this off, the Anchorage School District recently announced that the school year will start online, which is the opposite of what they had been saying that school would be in person. What do you think about school being online rather than in person right now? You know, I think like socially, it's from what we can see, especially, you know, we're, we're doing this a day after the, the biggest increase, a huge spike in numbers. So socially, I, I, I got to think it's good for us to start really diving in and saying, hey, we, this is important for education to be addressing now. We, we, if the numbers are what we see them doing, coming together with a thousand people in a building, that should give us some pause. Um, with that same deal, we there's a give take, and and obviously the the huge issue to me is, as a parent now myself, is childcare, uh, and that is that's going to be difficult, especially uh, in single parent homes. Uh, it could be very difficult um, if the part of society where that parent has to work is open, but where their kids have traditionally gone to school um, is closed. Mm-hmm. So we've been kind of texting back and forth about students physically going back to school this year. And you sent me a list of your main points of concern and we'll get to that. But first I wanted to see if you could explain your average day at work. Now or, or before COVID? Let's do before COVID. So before COVID, you know, I was really fortunate. I would get in, um, I'd wake up pretty early and get in and get my workout in before school, which was kind of nice. Um, I had a first hour prep period, so I could clean up and, and get ready for the day, um, get my mind centered. And then uh, I would teach a class of uh, 20 to 25 um, English language learner students. So these are students from around the globe um, that are relatively new to Anchorage School District, relatively new to Alaska, and in many cases, relatively new to the States. Um, and then I would teach, those guys uh, would go off to their next class, and I would teach a group of media students. And that, that, that was a smaller class, probably about 20 kids in that class. Um, and we would uh, dive into all things media, whether it's making uh, broadcast news, whether it was making short film, uh, animation, you name it. We we did a little bit of that. After the day was done, um, as a coach, you know, this was right before before we had the uh, before March, um, we would have a class called Seventh Hour, where basically we had athletes from all the sports and, and a lot of football kids. I'm the football coach, um, and we'd spend an hour a day knocking out some weight room work, some team building stuff, some competitive activities. It was actually a lot of fun. I missed that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And then it was about uh, 3, 34 o'clock. I'd go get my kiddos and, and go home. And then now? So when it first started, it was a lot of Zoom meetings as a staff. It was trying to cobble something together to finish the semester and get kids credits. We spent a lot of time making graduation videos and honoring the 2020 graduates. And now for me in the summer, I did summer school for, um, uh, for kids that are looking for more credit, either to get ahead or catch up. Um, and that was all online, obviously. And then I currently am on a, a work committee to help uh, create a social-emotional learning package for 
teachers to introduce into their classrooms because nobody's going to be coming back from this thing, um, quote, normal. We've all lived a different, uh, a different set of challenges and kids and teachers. And so we're, we're really got to focus on that person before we really attack that student's uh, mindset. What is that social emotional aspect to the classroom? What does that look like? You know, in the classroom, uh, and this is crazy, right? At the beginning or, or for the last two years, we've been teaching, you know, like, hey, you shake people's hands, you know, and this is how you shake a hand. Maybe a fist bump, mm-hmm. you know, we've been actually starting class. Every every school has been doing this. It's a it's a program called Capturing Kids Hearts and it's it's good, but it's what good it's what good teachers do regardless of a program and and it's it's really that man to look a kid in the eye, say his name, I'm good good glad to see you here, you know, Cody or and shake their hand, give them a fist bump, that connection. It really is powerful. It starts kids to be integrated into a classroom that means more to them than just the the content work. And that's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So we've been spending we had been spending a lot of time on that. Well, all of a sudden society has to tell us and, and totally understandably, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's they do the opposite of that. Distance yourself and, and that's been really hard. Um so in the classroom, the physical connection, whether like I said, it's a handshake or a fist bump or, or whatever students are comfortable with, that's I think um that was a big part of it. And then I think good teaching integrates um that emotional component of the student into it. You know, how does this make you feel? Tell us about what, you know, can you talk to somebody about this experience you had? And, and really if, if you do that and you attach it to their personhood, the content is like the easy part. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know what? Sports are no different at all. It's, you know, tell kids you care about them, um, really work to uh, actively show them that you care about them. Don't just talk about it. You got to be about it. And I know it's a cliche, but it's very true. And uh, yeah. And so now what does social emotional learning look like? It's, it's quite a bit, you know, we're, we're figuring that out. We're figuring out how, what are the appropriate ways to use zoom or, you know, what are the, what are we, what can we expect from students at home when their home life uh, is challenging? Mm-hmm. Uh these, these are obstacles that we're having to overcome. And while we were planning for like a blended environment where we were with them a little bit, and not, now we're not with them in person at all for at least the start of the year, we have to really put our uh, collective minds together and figure out how we're going to do this thing in a productive way. What do we know now that we didn't know in the beginning of all this? Ugh about that's a big question about education or yeah education and 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 from your perspective as a teacher what what are you doing now differently than you were doing at the beginning so covid's not good (laughs) yeah covid's not good um but i've become a way better teacher i think and and here's and here's how i i've had to dive into understanding how kids work what kids' life is like at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of us fall into the trap of teaching. It's like the bell rings, that group of kids is gone. We are on to the next one. And that that's fine if we are content presenters. If we're given a TED talk, sweet. Mm-hmm. That's not our that's not our role. You know, really as teachers, we're 
we're building relationships. We're teaching them routines. And, and hopefully in the end, we're, we're helping them be resilient. And I think this experience has – and I've always kind of done that with football. I've always – our football program has always really worked hard at those things. I've never seen it how important that is now is, is right now. And so absolutely like establishing routines for kids, helping them establish their own home routines. That's, that's something that needs to be in the in-person setting that I wasn't necessarily doing. I think some of us were, you know, with our daily class routines, Mm -hmm. but how are we helping them? Whatever that looks like, you know, what type of food are you eating? Uh, what is your sleep habits? I mean, sleep habits were atrocious. So that's, you, know, you get, you know, you, you can do a lot of stuff in the classroom to really help them build those daily routines that have nothing to do with content, but will make the biggest difference in their classroom. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing is the tools that we're learning, I'm super excited about it. And we're probably going to talk about this a little later, but the, the tools that we are now creating for teachers are super excited because it's, we're blending this online learning and this online material that kids can access at home and in person with the teacher. And there's some valuable tools there that when we all put our minds together and we can create something really, really cool. And some of the stuff that's created is, is really, really amazing. So I, again, COVID's bad. It's not good, but what I, I know I've learned a lot. Um, and I, and I hope that we're able to, as educators, turn this super challenging time into a into an opportunity for growth and since you already brought it up what are those new tools that have been developed so there's and and you talk to different educators you're going to get different points of view on this so i I can only speak for tim davis um but the shell we use is called canvas and that's a it's it's an app or it's a it's got all our classes inside of canvas Um, it's been around for a while and it's, uh, depending on who you are, it's either intuitive to you or not. Um, a lot of it has to do with how content is created in Canvas. And that's something that all teachers are learning now. So it is forcing us as educators to meet the students where they're, where are our students at? They're on TikTok, they're on Instagram. And no, we're not going to TikTok necessarily in Instagram. But we are using means of communication that they are using when it comes to technology. We're using the internet. And I know that sounds like, like, well, duh, you're using the internet, but no, we're actually like, that's a big deal. Um, if I miss a class, I, I would say the varying degrees of success as a student, if I miss a class, the ability to make up that work without the teacher there could be very difficult, mm-hmm. especially depending on what the class is. If I miss a class now, in theory, we're building out, or I know we are, I'm kind of part of it, we're building out these modules of education that they, they can work online by themselves. We call that the asynchronous model. That's where the kids are just doing stuff. They're engaging in content without a teacher there. Mm-hmm. Or they can work in a synchronous model where they join a teacher for a Zoom once a day or they're in class for a part of the day. That power, what that does long-term, for short-term it serves the need that we have, but Long term, that that opens up potential for new classes and new content to be able to be accessed across Alaska, across the city, whatever it happens to be, and that's really cool. Um, I teach the media class. I, it's taught at West, South, and KCC. Um, what an op- what an awesome thing it could be to offer 
those electives that are only in some schools, mm-hmm. but now offer it to students if they live in Eagle River or Chugiak. I think that's a that's an incredibly, incredibly powerful thing that we need to look into as we educate students in the in the 21st century. So things and programs or, or programs have become more ubiquitous. Like they're not just offered at one school or another school. Now they're available to all schools. Well, the, the technology, certainly, yes, I think, and that was more of like a future, like hope. I would love to see my class, for example, I love kids from other schools to be able to partake in the media side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what their resources would be at that building or what have you, but like for them to be able to learn about, uh, media literacy for them to understand what makes a good story in, in a nonfiction piece, like, and be able to do that from Chugiak or from wherever. Um, that's powerful, and that, I think that's something we have to. That's like the future. We have to dive into that. The infrastructure for that's being built now. Um, the South teacher, who you got to get on here at some point. The guy's a genius. His name's Lee Butterfield. Okay. He uh, he is really instrumental in, in making a lot of the stuff and he's of that same mind. Like this is the, the blended learning model can be incredibly powerful as we teach kids from all around under many different circumstances. Um, it just opens up our, it's just another tool. It's taking the file cabinet of, of everything we've ever taught and put it on the internet in an organized way for kids to access at home. Um, and again, not everybody has the same access. That's another challenge for certain that needs to be brought up. Um, but we're moving in the right direction when it comes to online access. You know, one thing that you mentioned just a little bit ago was teachers having to maybe experience or understand things like TikTok. Do you think that that is helping expand teachers vernacular you know their understanding of the youth that they're educating both directions so here's it's great you bring that up so how i would talk to my class is not how i would talk to my mom how i would talk to my friends and at you know doing you know hanging out Mm -hmm. snowboarding is not how i'm going to talk to my class yet Unfortunately, what ended up happening and has happened, we have neglected kind of this realm. And so how kids TikTok is not too far off from perhaps how they Zoom. And so <laughs> and that's it's not that extreme, but we as teachers did not ever teach kids and we weren't ready to. We weren't we weren't an online school. We had not had kids prepared on how to have conversations online with people that had substance beyond a dance, um, beyond a rant, beyond, you know, we, we have kind of neglected that as educators. Um, and I'm kind of like on the front line. I love, I love social media and I love, um, kids learning how to use the medium. Um, and I, I don't know if I really talked about, you know, we, we did talk a little bit about how we use the internet, how we use social media. That, that is really important, Mm -hmm. but man, you saw it on zoom. You saw like kids where they, you know, Hey, think about what you have in the background of your camera. You Mm -hmm. know, think about the shirts that you're wearing. Think about the clothing. Think about the language you're using. Think about, um, the signals you give off. 
when, you know, with different, again, just the way the camera is positioned. So I think kids learning how to use Zoom professionally or whatever you're using is incredibly powerful for them later in life. The flip side of this is, as teachers, we need to understand that there are competing social vernaculars, social media vernaculars out there. And the way that kids talk on TikTok and the way that uh, people, and I don't want to say kids, I hate singling out kids, the way that the youth is on TikTok or Instagram, teachers need to be aware that this is how they're learning how to, how to use the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, we kind of knew that. I think some of the younger teachers knew that and they're aware of that. But I think many of the teachers were just, they'd rather just not even discuss. They don't even know what TikTok is. And I think that's stuff like that has to be addressed. We have to address that there's a whole competing uh, language and social rules out there um, competing for, for time, basically. Mind space, for lack of a better term. You know, I'm trying to find out how to connect this because I know that there's a way to connect this, but I think I'm just going to just throw it out there. But one of your points that you had sent me in that list uh, when we were texting back and forth was that there needs to be a dialogue about what kind of school we're having. What did you mean by that? So first of all, I think number one is that there's been this hijacked thing that school is canceled. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, it's not canceled. There's been delays for sure in certain elements. School has just changed. It's different. And so the form that school takes is incredibly important for us to address as a public school district. Um, And to start off with, you have a few models for certain, and and this is like the, this kind of the low hanging fruit is that you have five days a week, or maybe you're two days on and a day off and two days back on some type of blended model through there. But what I think also needs to be evaluated is what we're doing on a daily basis in that classroom. What form does school look like when a kid walks in the building? Um, That dialogue needs to be opened up and say, have we been doing it right for 30 some years? There's wisdom in tradition at times. I don't want to discount some of the powerful techniques that exist out there right now. But I think that COVID has um, dredged up um, and just everything going on in society has really forced us to look in the mirror and say, is there a better way to do this? Mm-hmm. And just just using the blended learning example, and when I say I keep saying blended learning, that means like using Canvas or whatever uh, transmission for content you have blended with in-person instruction, whether that's Zoom or in-person or whatever. So using that blended learning model alone is revolutionary. Um, I know there were teachers already moving that direction, but to say that this is what education is, um, just as much as what education is, is to show up to a classroom. Education also is your, you have an ability to access content as a student, uh, asynchronous, uh, to participation in the classroom. And that's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially with just some, you know, like I was telling you, I, I teach students from all around the world. They come from way different ways of learning than necessarily in the United States. And so I just think that opening it up that discussion about best practices in general, I think 
that's been a, a really important thing that's going on right now and it continues. Do you think that the blended model will continue after COVID is over, after we get a vaccine? Yes. I, I, I have to believe that. I have to believe that we will always have from here on out a way for students to access content asynchronous of the classroom environment. That does not mean, and, and what I want to be very clear about is that does not mean less teachers, because uh, I know that that is somewhat of a fear. It means more learning opportunities, more opportunities, and, and, and maybe more authentic ones. Mm -hmm. um, think about the power, you know, the number one thing kids tell me whenever I ask them, I always say, well, what do you want to learn in school? And they're always like, tell us the truth. You know, that's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, no kidding, kid. I get it. But a lot of them also say like, I, I really want, you know, personal finance, I guess what you call, it, but I really want to know, like, tell me about credit cards. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what college, tell me why I really need college. Tell me, I read that I'm at risk for going into debt and not getting the job I want after four years of going to classes that were cool and partying on Friday nights. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me if I really need that college in my life. Tell me if there's what type of job I can, how can I help my family? You know, these are, these are really important issues to the kids. And I think a blended learning model has tons of room in it for us to take a media class and infuse into that media class. Like how do you entrepreneurship? How do you start your own business? How, if you're going to really do media, you know, part of it is how are you going to make some money off of it? Mm -hmm. What should you be charging people? Well, in order to know that, you need to know what, how much the gear is. And if you, you know, you need to know how to rent something, you need to know about rental agreements and eventually things like insurance. And, and so just using the media class as an example, there's tons, obviously, of, of real life examples, but you can do that as well in world history. You can do that in, in English. Um, you can take these content things and with blended learning, it gives us more opportunities I guess what I'm trying to get at is a lot of our time as teachers is spent, you know, I just honestly, if a kid misses a day, it can kind of throw me out of my teacher groove. So I'm like, oh, what did we do two days ago? Mm -hmm. And I can go back and look at my notes, but it's not nearly effective as saying, hey, here is an online module for that day that we did. Go check it out. It's not the same and they probably won't learn it at the same rate. But man, that's a powerful, powerful tool, especially if you're early on in your teaching career. That's really, that's really good. You know, a little bit of what I'm hearing as you were talking about these new, um, the benefits of these, these new ways of teaching is that it's in a lot of ways injecting practical experience. So for example, with the Zoom meeting, you know, you're, you're trying to teach like, hey, pay attention to what's in the background, pay attention to the shirt that you're wearing. And in a lot of ways that could be synonymous with a job interview, right? So they're, they're learning these, um, these skills that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have when they're coming physically into school. Yes. hundred percent. The practical application is huge. And, and for the tech side, they've had to advance their knowledge of tech. You know, do they understand how to hook up to a network? Do they understand how to do some of these, these, uh, you can't assume anything anymore as a teacher. And I think that's wonderful. You never, we should never should have assumed anything, but we certainly do. We're humans. And so 
But I think one of the important things to not assume is that kids just know how to make a computer get get uh, connected to the internet. That, that couldn't be farther from the truth I've discovered. That just the act the connectivity is like, hey, you click on this little deal here and it gives you network options and you type in your passcode. That type of thing is is really is really important for just daily life in our society. And I, mm-hmm. I'll be 100% honest. I just kind of assumed that most of my students would know that. So going back to kind of question from earlier, what have I learned is can't assume anything. And by not assuming things, we don't leave kids behind. And that's another aspect of blended learning. I don't assume that you got this thing, you know what I mean? But you you have to go through this module in this course to show that you've done it, you know, that you've participated in some way. So we don't make any assumptions. We can actually see, test, analyze the skills that they're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a great example was the original plan for when we go back, and I, I'm sure this is going to be very similar when we eventually do go back, um, it'll probably be like half the school will be in a building at a time. Like A through L will show up on Monday, Tuesday. You know, that was the original plan. And then the rest of the alphabet comes in on Thursday, Friday. What Those early days were going to be largely spent in practical application of using technology and how do you access the content in the class. Uh, you know, that regardless of a pandemic should be something we should be doing but hey can you do do you have an email so many kids don't have emails and when they do their emails are like not appropriate for school emails you know destiny mermaid 52 like hey look that's not very professional yeah Um, unless you're gonna be a professional mermaid which that's a thing (laughs) but i digress um No, but seriously, it's like just this simple email. So again, I kind of spitball in here. And, uh, but as you ask, what have we learned? That's another thing, man. Don't assume that kids have an email address that's appropriate to send to a prospective employer mm-hmm. um, or that they even know how to access the email. Uh, yeah, those are those, – that, it's very real. I don't know if that answered the question or not, but yes, practical applications there. You know, what's interesting about all this is I wonder if in the future, in the near future, it will help, um, build like a life skills class, you know, where you learn how to sign up for Gmail and have a reasonable, you know, email address or, you know, understand how to use TurboTax or, you know, things that Mm -hmm. school gets a lot of crap for, for not teaching students. I I hope this is the catalyst. I really really do. That's what that's what we need to be teaching. The the hard skills or the hard con- contents never go away. Content's good. We have to we have to always pursue content because part of it's analyzing now if it's good content, um, and if it's if it's something that can be trusted for sure. But employers up before COVID especially were saying we need a workforce that has that has soft skills that know how to talk to each other, that know how to lead, that know how to work on a good timeline. Um, that, that was what the workforce, the, the business world has been crying, like crying out. We need this. We need reliable people. Um, I think school has a tremendous opportunity right now to harness all of the challenges that COVID is bringing us and try to give kids embedded into our content now, try to give kids 
all what you call life class. Yes, heck yeah. You know, hey, what's your Gmail? Um, you know, business classes, absolutely. TurboTax, and not even for business classes, just for every class. We can find ways to import that stuff in there. Um, and again, putting it all online, taking your whole file cabinet and dumping it online and having access for kids to go through and, and look through whatever it is we're learning, you know, that day, mm -hmm. I think ultimately gives you freedom in time to give kids some more things. For a great example, again, would be like the media class. Actually, I use a history class. For my history class, there's no way I could ever teach all that I need to teach in the time allotted. Content just wasn't going to get there, um, especially because I was focused. I, I largely am, and I, I think many teachers are, focused on the relationships, focused on building resiliency with your kids. And so when you do that, time-wise, something's got to give. Um, what I discovered is in this blended model, and I'd always kind of tooled around with it, but never really, never really had what we're doing now. Um, I've, I always kind of was like, hey, if you want to learn more on this, go search this thing here. Um, and I think the best example, and I, I don't know, this might get me in trouble for talking about it, but like I, would, <laughs> I offered some kids, I offered some kids extra credit if they went through and they beat Assassin's Creed. And then they wrote down some of the real life history. And then I made them give me a couple sentences if after a quick little research, if they thought that that was true or untrue from the real life history of, uh, of the people that they found in Assassin's Creed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had one kid do it. He went, put in, he put in like 70 hours in the game. And, and uh, that kid, I, ho I hope he knows, I think it was the, uh, the Egypt one. So that kid better know ancient Egypt now. But, uh. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's really great actually, because again, that's practical application, right? It's, it's meeting a student or meeting... I mean, honestly, just meeting another person where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and kids are playing video games. It's a, it's a, it's a literature. Mm -hmm. I play video games, so I shouldn't say kids. There's a lot of people who play video games. It's a form of literature. It's a form of interaction. Uh, I, I think that that's – and I think that things like Assassin's Creed that allow you immersion into a world, what a, what a tremendous opportunity during COVID. Like, hey, kid, run around, run around and, and find Zeus – Tell me about Zeus. You yeah, know, I don't you know. And, and he can he can do it. He can run through. The, and if you Google it, what's amazing? Every every time I feel like they kind of outdo themselves. But really, with the Greek run, walking through ancient Athens um, is impressive. Mm -hmm. I can't I can't do that with a book. I can't do that with a video. Even this kid has a controller and he's walking around a pretty accurate rendition of what ancient Athens would look like. That's the kind of thing that that's to me, the aiming point and how do we bring everything up into those, that, that realm of like student engagement, um, student interest, teacher engagement. I mean, to me, that's fun. It's fascinating. How do we get there? I, you know, I think this is a huge step in the right direction towards it is the blended learning. Yeah. What did you say? You said, there, there is wisdom in tradition is something that you said earlier, but at the same time, there's also worth in, you know, being more progressive. And I think that this has allowed us to head in a more progressive direction. And obviously that is not trying to belittle COVID at all because it is extremely dangerous and it is a, you know, 
a worldwide health crisis right now. But if we were to look at some of the positive repercussions, I think that, that that's definitely among them. I mean, I have to, like my mind is wired that way. If I don't, it, you know, I think like a lot of us, it just, I, I'm not, I don't move forward at all. Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, like I do think it needs to be addressed. Childcare is a huge issue and how, how parents are going to watch after their kids and teach their kids. I have no, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, that is incredibly, incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Don't have good answers for the parents asking about childcare. And that just is what it is. What I have to do is point to, I have to point to just to move forward. Like I said, to the optimistic side of it that, Hey parents, there are tools here now that you can access to eventually, you know, to help your kid. Maybe it's, Maybe it's like I heard a friend of mine saying, well, my kid's in pre-calc and I, I didn't barely get past geometry, you know, and, and I'm like, what a great opportunity to build in supports for that parent who's not, who does not know how to help out with pre-calc, but with a, with a really well thought out and something that we can't just build now and put away. The idea is that we are building we're laying the foundations for something now. I think that maybe is a really important point. Mm-hmm. We're laying the foundations so that a few years from now, when that same totally normal conventional classroom, if you will, that same student's having trouble, the, the parent can help sit down and maybe provide that parenting that's needed where the, where the content is available online for that kid in a meaningful way. Um, I mean, it kind of, this is going to sound crazy. It kind of is there in some ways. Yeah. Like you can learn how to do anything on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) you can learn how to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Again, content's there. What we're doing is I guess we're really curating it into one spot and bringing it together for the students in the, in the class and, and, and creating it along the way as well. So yeah, I, the parenting that's tough, man. As as I have a one and a three year old, so they're just out of school range, and it that's been super hard. Um, so having having kids, especially elementary kids, maybe kids that aren't like you know they they really can't just hey just get yourself to school, kid, and I'll see you when I get home from work. Mm-hmm. That just isn't gonna work for a lot of people. I totally understand that. Totally get that, um, and that is part of the part of the challenge of COVID. You know, another point you brought up is how there are a lot of unanswered questions that cause stress for teachers, students, and the community. What do you think are some of the most important questions? So, uh, there's there was so in teacher in teacher world, and it probably got out there in normal world too. Normal world. Uh, <laughs> it's like a bad episode. It's like a bad episode of West World and Teacher World today. Um, no, uh, there was a list that went around that has that has uh, like 250 questions for teachers to ask their administrators, and I thought a lot of them were really good. I thought I thought maybe they were also I I'm a like I have to see things from both sides of the coin because I I have you know I don't necessarily agree with everything, but I, I try to empathize with everything. Um, and I, I think looking at those questions, you have to empathize with school leaders who are going to do the best they can. They have a tough situation. Whatever they do, mm-hmm. it's a complex issue, and they're going to make lots of people mad. Um, and so when I think about unanswered questions, like the biggest question that came to mind for me 
was what happens when when a kid gets COVID. And right now, our current testing, we won't find out that kid gets COVID. Let's say a kid's mom gets COVID, symptomatic. Definitely she has it, right? Does that kid stay home from school? Probably. Okay, let's say the kid comes to school and his mom gets sick at home. Because it sounds like some instances people are getting like fairly quick onset of symptoms. So mom didn't seem sick. You get home, mom is sick. Mm-hmm. She gets a test, she's positive. Kid's already been in the classroom. Kid's possibly got to work. You start to get into this really difficult situation of like, all right, just keep them home. That's fine. Um, but then what about the kids and the rest of the kids in the class? What about the teacher? Uh, substitutes. Should substitutes be cross-pollinating across schools or should they stay at one school? Um, there was a lot of really important questions that need to be answered there because the sub pool is going to be vital when we go back to the in-person model, maybe more than ever, because we want, I think as teachers, uh, the freedom to be able to say, man, I, I need to stay home today mm-hmm. is going to be very important to curbing the spread when we move back into in-person setting. And, and it sounds like the district is giving us, there's, there's COVID time for us that teachers get. So we're not, we're not burning sick days. I think that's really important. Um, so there's some there's some good there's some good stuff in there. I, I think there's some good plans moving forward. But again, some of this the most basic things like, do we need rapid testing at school when we go back to the in person? Um, what about the common cold? What you know? There's so many little things that like, it, you can't get too bogged down with the what ifs. Mm-hmm. But I think the big issues, family members getting sick to me is probably the biggest issue. Um, because it puts a lot of strain potentially on an already sick family to go get a kid tested and then find out. And then, and then they got to tell the school, you know, what if they don't tell the school? So that we're, we have some challenges. Don't, don't get me wrong. To get back in person, we have some big time challenges. You know, with football, we were training and they were allowing us to train uh, and be, you know, uh, six to 10 feet apart. Uh, we were in medium risk at the time. Now we're in high risk. So that changed some things. Um, but I will say this, it was incredibly powerful to see the kids and their desire to be back in person. Mm -hmm. So I think the quicker we start to answer questions and give direct guidelines and ASD is doing their darndest. Don't get me wrong. I I am very appreciative of, of ASD trying to get answers to us. Um, but just saying this is a more general society thing. The more directives we get, even if we disagree with them, they at least take some of like the guesswork out, which will alleviate stress. And when that stress is relieved, then yeah, because the kids just want the kids want to get back in person so bad. And so can we answer some of these questions? Can we say we can come back, but here's the protocol for when we come back? Those type of things are are getting answered. And the more we answer them, the less stress we'll have in the society. Yeah, and I think that it's probably good for society to keep trying, trying these different modes of figuring this problem out. Oh man, you, you took yes, absolutely. I I think that unfortunately, you know, here's the deal: we did not, we, you and I, and people older than us, and people slightly younger than us, did mm-hmm. not grow up in the social media generation where like. And, and 
there is just amongst an older population what I've seen and generally also it's it's an all person thing it's not a generational thing necessarily there is just toxic language mm-hmm. like and when I mean toxic I don't mean like mean name calling I mean just like there are people that right now a lot of society's tone is kind of like if it doesn't go my way I just want to see the world burn on fire you know, that's, that's how it feels. I think there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now. Don't get me wrong, but specifically towards education, you know, when ASD made their decision to try the blended model, like was it three weeks ago now? And they said, we're going to go two days on one day off, two days on. I, I looked at those comments, 90% of them were negative, you know, and they were, everybody was involved. It was teachers, parents, everybody, everybody was like, it was most. And this is on social media, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. On Facebook. Yeah. It was on the ASD Facebook page. And a lot of those comments were really negative coming in from the community. I'm like, man, we're trying something that, that needs to be, there has to be some acknowledgement that we're trying to work through an incredibly complex issue. Mm -hmm. Um, tell you what, man, I, I, I do applaud ASD for, for trying, for, for saying we're going to try this. And when it when the numbers became too high, they said, we can't try that. We got to do this. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I, not, I have no problem with that. Um, I think that we got to keep working, got to keep striving because I know there's danger out there. And, you know, and I have friends and teachers that are high risk. Do not get me wrong. Um, I understand I will also tell you that we have a group of children in this community right now that are craving adult interaction and craving adult leadership um, for 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 their growth and their their well being. Mm-hmm. So the last question that I have for you is more of a thought that I had than anything else, but I wanted to see what your perspective on it is, and that is. I feel like teachers can be underappreciated. Do you feel like this pandemic has made people appreciate teachers more? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I the memes, like there's some funny ones like with like, Oh, this is what you guys go through every day type things. And it's like, I, you know, I don't know because I don't know if, if that's authentic Certainly some of the things that parents identify are not necessarily the things that are why we're in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, your your kid's being crazy right now. He just broke five eggs on the ground and looked at you and laughed, you know, which is something that a one and a three-year-old father would say because they do that. <laughs> but, but like authentic teaching – how do I word this right? Authentic teaching – is only concerned if it really is authentic it's concerned with the growth of the student and and at times we're appreciated and at times maybe we're quote not appreciated but if i were to spend time like spinning my wheels on that societal appreciation of my job i would be taking away from time that i could be how do we further the growth of these kids we it's so cliche, but it is never truer now. But this generation of kids is going to be, quote, the leaders of tomorrow. Think about this. A bunch of kids that didn't walk the stage in two to three years are going to be the employees that we're hiring 
They're going to be the ones that we're asking to go above and beyond to make our business work. Uh, they're the ones that we, you know, we call in because, hey, five people called in sick and I really need this person in today. You know, again, this is years down the road and, and hopefully in a COVID free world, so to speak. Um, we're counting on these kids. So when it comes to like our appreciation level of education, I think that education in and of itself, and not necessarily teachers, but education in and of itself needs a great deal of appreciation. And I guess respect, but again, I'm not pointing this towards people involved. I'm pointing this towards the activities. And you know what? The people involved, the teachers, we have a responsibility 100% to make sure that we are guiding people in the right direction um, and helping them learn how to be these great employees, help them be eventually great fathers and mothers and people in society. That's Can we build people that have great relationships? that dominate their daily routine and then are resilient. And that if you, if we can do that and that's our goal, that's our job. If we can do that and that has nothing to do with, if you can remember, you know, memorize this fact or that fact, if we can do that, then I think education will be appreciated and, and, and be in the place it needs to be. Um, what's an incredibly important part of making sure that tomorrow's workforce, tomorrow's leaders are, are prepared for this thing and, I think post COVID, we have a really positive opportunity to, to make sure that that happens. For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Thank you to Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, the grind coffee shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, and Aquila Space for their support at the company man level. This conversation was written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats.